This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the Hill Country Authors Podcast. Not only is the Texas Hill Country the most beautiful place in Texas, but it also has some of the best writers in Texas. On this podcast series, I'm going to explore writers in literally all genres of writing, both fiction and nonfiction. I hope you'll join me in this journey. Today, Larry Morris, science fiction writer and publisher from Wimberley, Texas. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to another episode of the Texas Hill Country Authors Podcast. Today, I'm absolutely thrilled to have Larry Morris. Larry, you are our first science fiction author on the Texas Hill Country Authors Podcast. So first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Tom. I appreciate it. Larry, I've had a couple of chances to meet you at the uh, Kerrville Public Library. You gave a presentation, I think, this summer, and then you were back again in September as well. So with that uh, introduction, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and led you to your current career in writing science fiction? Well, I had a very long and lucrative career in data processing over 40 years. And the last 24 of it was as a software architect for BMC Software in Houston. And I knew I needed something to occupy my time as I got closer and closer to retirement. And I have been a science fiction fan my entire life. And so I started writing science fiction and published my first book in 2011 four years before I retired, and I retired in 2015, and I've been writing ever since. It's kind of something I'd always thought I'd do, but I just wasn't sure when I was going to get into it. Well, the BMC campus holds a fond place in my heart because that's where I met my wife. Oh, really? Okay. We both worked at uh, Landmark Graphics, which was a Halliburton company. Yeah. Um, So let's start off with, uh, you said... You've been a sci-fi fan all of your life. Could you tell us some of either your favorite authors or even some of your influences? Oh, I think influences in in uh, sci-fi would have to be probably the same no matter who you asked in terms of the last century, the last half of the century. It would have to be Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein, Ray Bradbury, all of the classics that have been writing their entire life. But if I had to pick one particular author that I was always drawn to, it would have to be John W. Campbell, who's kind of an unknown. Uh, He started as an editor on Astounding Science Fiction back in the late 1930s and wrote some amazing space operas, that subgenre of sci-fi, and is probably best known, interestingly enough, for non-sci-fi. He wrote the short story called Who Goes There that the movie The Thing was based on. So whether people know him or not, they've seen his the evidence of his writing. So I would have to lean on him as my favorite. As I recall, there's an award named for John Campbell. Do I have that right? Yes, the John W. Campbell Award, yes. Right. And and it's it's probably been around since the 50s. I think that's when it was instituted. Right. Well, I have to say for me, it's Robert Heinlein. I read, was introduced to rather in college and have uh, been a huge fan of uh, going forward as well. Philip Dick, I've also enjoyed both books and movies. So um, you're, I'm not sure if I should just ask you to tell us about Salvage or introduce it 
with, I found it an incredibly interesting way to introduce as wide a variety of characters and topics as one could have by talking about a junkyard, but a junkyard <laughs> in space. And I don't know if that's fair in your eyes or not, but I found no, it, it to be an incredibly interesting setting, as interesting as a Western because of the potential, all of the potentialities for you. So that's my take, but tell us about Salvage, where you came up with the idea and how you've been able to run with it through seven books, I think now. Well, it's six now. I just finished, I just published the sixth book and I think it's going to be seven books in a series. I really, at some point, like any good series, you have to put it to bed at some point. And I think I've come up with a good way to do that in the next book, but it is. I think salvage could, uh, more than anything else, probably be described as a Western in space because that's really the way it started with the first salvage book. And three things happened coincidentally in 2016 when I was, I was just closing, working on another book called Close to Home, which was the one I finished just before the salvage series. And three things happened that year that really stuck with me and taken together became the impetus of the salvage series. One of them was Stephen Hawking came out in an interview and said one of the things he's really afraid of, among all the others, was a marauding race from the other side of the galaxy running through planet after planet, claiming all the resources and finally getting to us. That was one of the things that really bothered him. And then about a month later, uh, there was an article in Scientific America that talked about how the International Space Station had to be moved, actually physically moved several times that year to avoid floating space junk. And we do have a lot of it up there. And that one got cataloged with the first thought. And then shortly after that, a brand new discovery was uh, outlined in an article about a planetary system they found about 40 light years from us that was a small red dwarf star with seven rocky planets and you put all three of those together and that's really what got me started about writing something about what would we do if if we were faced with so much space junk that we couldn't even get a satellite up anymore and that's where the idea came from and then you fold in the other two and it went from there and Actually, after the first three books were published, I really thought that was going to be it for the series. But it was so popular and so many people wanted to know about where that species came from, what their backstory was, the non-sentient, uh, rather sentient non-humanoid species that I created for that book, that I had to write a fourth book that went back in time and and I created their their history, their evolution, where they came from, how they evolved. And then that was a springboard into the rest of the series, which was really a cowboy story of two of the main characters roaming through space, solving problems. So it was an interesting path to this whole series. I absolutely love it when an author <laughs> either has to or does write the backstory of one or more characters because it really allows me as the reader to explore questions that, you know, were not part of an earlier 
book and to think about things and understand motivations and why species or, or characters do certain things. So I really love that story. I'd like to turn a little bit now, Larry, to your writing process. So um, I've written a lot of books, on, although they're all in nonfiction, but I'm a morning guy. And if I don't have it done by 10, it ain't getting done. So I try to write in the morning. Does that hold true for you? Or are you able to sit down and just knock things out? Do you outline? What's kind of your style of putting everything together? That's one of the first things that, uh, uh-oh, I think we're losing a camera for some reason, and it happens to be mine. Well, you're back. You were back. Now you're gone. That's one of the first things that I get asked almost in every interview or every discussion with a with a new fan is how do you write and and no I'm not only am I not really a morning person but I don't write every day and I don't write on a schedule. Uh, fiction is a little bit different than <clears throat> than nonfiction, at least for me it is. One of the things I have to do before I can sit down and write is I have to know exactly where the current thing I'm writing, whether it's a chapter or a scene or whatever it is, I have to know exactly where it's going, where it came from, what the characters are going to do, how they're going to interact, and what's going to happen. And so sometimes, and my wife can attest to this as well as anybody can, I, I walk around the house sometimes for days, seeming to be in a daze, trying to figure out how I'm going to get to the next point in the book. And then I can sit down when I've done that, and I may write for three days or three weeks. It just depends. I do outline everything to begin with, so I know where I want the story to go generally. But in most cases, it doesn't cover those kinds of minute details. How does the dialogue go? How does it unfold? Who drives most of the of the processes in that scene or that chapter? All of that has to be detailed out for me to the point where I know exactly where everything is, and then I can sit down and write. Hmm. So. I guess I should have said I've written two books of fiction. I just haven't published them, but mine is almost completely different. I just sit down, close my eyes, and type <laughs> out what happens in my head. And the uh, what amazes me about the way I write is uh, the characters do things I don't expect. So it's almost like I'm reporting what they're they're doing. But I remember one time a guy did a particularly ugly thing. And even I just said, I can't believe he just did that. And of course, that's coming straight out of my head. So uh, now as the series has progressed, how have you detailed out? Do you detail out a next book while you're writing one book? Is it a, a each book a closed loop? How about that? Because you've got this series going that's, in my mind, been uh, successful enough that you're up to book six. Well, that's interesting. Uh, the first three books in the series <clears throat> uh, and the fourth one don't really, the first three obviously depend on each other. And, and they were initially mapped out as three books and I knew where each one was going to go. The fourth one where I had to invent the backstory for that species was just out of nowhere that I had to figure out how to do that. That had <laughs> that had not been outlined at all as part of any series or anything. And then from that point on, the last few books in the series are tied together with a recurring theme through the, every one of the books. 
as something that the team is working on. And they, they don't really finalize that until the end of the last book. So that's one way to tie them all together. Um, and that takes a lot of preparation in terms of transitioning from one book to the next. I have to make very careful, I have to be very careful that I don't do something in the current book I'm working on that will adversely affect two or three books downstream. So you have to be thinking that far ahead, usually. Larry, the other thing that intrigued me very much about your process is actually your publication process. I've heard you describe that at the Kerrville Library, where you self-publish everything. I was wondering, uh, sort of, did you stumble into that? And why have you stuck with that through, once again, a very successful series? And why does it work for you? That's, uh, I started that way, self-publishing, <clears throat> simply because several of the local authors in this area that I knew had, who had been writing for 20 or 30 years had done both. And they were actually encouraging people to go the route of self-publishing because they found it was getting more and more difficult to work with established publishing houses in terms of what the publisher would provide for them and, and, and that type of thing. So that's really where the self-publishing route started. And it seemed to be with my background in computer uh, management and in software, because I know how to write software, so it's it's easier for me to figure out how to use other pieces of software. It seemed to be very straightforward, the whole process. And so it was just natural for me to fall into that to that method of publishing. And I'm finding now, and I think evidence with one of the Kerrville visits is I now do a self-publishing seminar every year in a couple of different small towns, libraries, because I'm finding out that a huge percentage of people have a manuscript in the bottom right-hand desk drawer that they don't know what to do with. And this, this at least gives them a leg up on a possibility of what all the moving parts are for self-publishing. But it seems to work at least very well for me. And I got lucky in that I have a fairly well-established local fan base that helps a lot. So collect new fans every year with a new book. And I haven't had anybody throw one of my books back at me yet. So I'm still hanging on to all the original ones. So it works. I don't, I don't see the need to jump into to bed with, a, with an actual publishing company yet. And let me pick up on the library part of what you just described, Larry. As I mentioned sure. now several times, I met you at the Kerrville Library. Kerrville is a town of about 21,000 people. And you said in that presentation that you will often visit libraries in smaller towns, talk to folks, to market your book, to talk about yourself, and a general outreach campaign. Why libraries in small towns, whether they be in the Hill Country of Texas or any other state in America? Oh, well, that's easy. That's where the books are. That's where people who love books go. And that's where people who are beginning to know the ins and outs of trying to figure out how to write. And that's where they go. They go to small town public libraries. And I think I started that process, I think about seven years ago. And I thought eventually the attendance would, would kind of drop off because you, I figured it was maybe a small set of people, but no, the attendance keeps building. 
And I'm now up to uh, Wimberley, Kerrville, Seguin, and I'm working on Blanco. So I keep adding new small town libraries to the list. But that's where the people are that love books. Larry, what's, uh, what's in this entire process, what's the most enjoyable or even fun for you? Actually, just being able to write stories that other people enjoy. That's really what, uh, what I think it's all about. You know, there have been a lot of people who've, who've asked that question, why do you write? And you have to really look into yourself to find that out. And I think the most important thing in most cases is to make sure you know who you're writing for. And in my case, I'm writing for me because I just enjoy the ability to put the stories that I have running around in my head down on paper. And then it's even more beneficial to me that I can get those out to other people and they love them too. Larry, are you a member of any writing organizations, whether national or local or even state? Uh, no, I, 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 not actual writing organizations, but we have several small groups of authors that I work with in these communities uh, that I think is the best way to, to, to help other would-be authors have enough confidence in what they're doing to get that first book published. And I think that's really what it's all about. I try to avoid organizations uh, where whose main goal is to pass around copies of everybody's work and critique it, because that, I'm not sure that buys anybody anything. And in some cases, it erodes confidence in a lot of new writers. Uh, so I look to small groups of, of of potential writers that have two or three established writers in them. And I do a lot of work with book clubs, too, to get the, the books out into the hands of people. Larry, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, on the Salvage Series, or to even purchase the Salvage Series, what might be the best place or places for them to go? Best place to go to get the Salvage Series is obviously go to Amazon, look me up, and it's just Larry Morris. And you can use a web address called LarryMorrisBooks.com. Larry Morris Books is one word. And that will take you to what Amazon calls an author page where all of my books are listed. And I try to keep interested parties on when my next book sale is. And I'm actually going to be involved in a book sale at the Wimberley Community Center um, a week from this Sunday, or excuse me, a week from this Saturday. So that's a good place to come and talk to me. And you can always email me at Larry, larry.morris.books at gmail.com. Well, Larry, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. I wanted to thank you for coming to Kerrville to share your experience, strength, and hope on writing and for all you do for the writing community. If anyone has questions about self-publishing, frankly, I cannot think of a better resource than Larry Morris. So, Larry, I Hope we can continue this conversation. I hope so, too. I thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Hill Country Authors Podcast. If you have a book or are an author and like to come on my podcast, please let me know. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. The Hill Country Authors Podcast is available on the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network, and where all great podcasts are played.